It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. In the previous episode, I listed five objections to the cosmological argument for the existence of God from the beginning of the universe. I give two more objections today. Objection six. The atheistic philosopher Clinton Smith wrote an article in the Philosophy of Science Journal, volume 55, 1988, pages 39 to 57, in which he says, there is sufficient evidence at present to justify the belief that the universe began to exist without being caused to exist. Response. Clinton Smith is saying that the law of causality is wrong. That should raise serious questions. Soon after this objection appeared, William Lane Craig wrote a philosophical rebuttal of Smith's claim. That is enough to put the objection onto the junk heap of failure. Nevertheless, allow me to go a bit further. Crucial to Smith's claim is the assumption that the acceleration of the expansion of the universe is decreasing. We know now that not only is there a philosophical rebuttal, but also there is a scientific rebuttal of Smith's objection as well. Cosmologists have discovered that the acceleration of the expansion of the universe is actually increasing. This suggests there is some unexpected force that is behind this increase of acceleration. This discovery will require many possible ramifications of present understanding of cosmology, perhaps making adjustments to our understanding of many things concerning life and vegetation on Earth. Hopefully, even the climate change people will have to reverse their rhetoric. I can dream, can't I? This next objection comes from The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins, verbalized on page 77. Objection 7. Even if we allow the dubious luxury of conjuring up a terminator to an infinite regress and giving it a name, there is absolutely no reason to endow that terminator with any properties normally ascribed to God, omnipotence, omniscience, goodness, creativity of design, to say nothing of such human attributes as listening to prayers, forgiving sins, and reading innermost thoughts. Response. 
Concerning his own proof of the Kalam argument, William Lane Craig says, This is an amazingly concessionary statement. Dawkins doesn't deny that the argument successfully demonstrates the existence of an uncaused, beginningless, changeless, immaterial, timeless, spaceless, and unimaginably powerful personal creator of the universe. He merely complains that this cause hasn't been shown to be omnipotent, omniscient, good, creative of design, listening to prayers, forgiving sins, and reading innermost thoughts. So what? The argument doesn't aspire to prove such things. But the point remains that such a being, such as described above, must exist. My own proof of the first cause goes even further than Craig's proof of the Kalam argument to conclude that the first cause is identical to the God of the Bible. <clears throat> I have been discussing skeptical objections to the cosmological arguments for God and in particular against the Kalam cosmological argument. Now let me discuss skeptical attacks against theism itself. The atheist's campaign against theism can be seen as a three-pronged attack consisting of, one, the supposed disproofs of God offered by various atheists throughout history, two, atheists' criticism of theistic arguments for the existence of God, and three, the problem of evil and suffering. My intention is to attempt to confront and to thwart these three attacks systematically. Not only do atheists agree with skeptics and agnostics that the classical theistic arguments fail to prove that God does exist, but some atheists have also offered arguments to show that God does not exist. So I start my defense of theism by refuting various attempted disproofs of God. The first one is David Hume's design disproof of God. Premise one, either the universe was designed or it happened by chance. Premise two, Chance is an adequate cause of the universe. Three, the conclusion, therefore, the universe need not have been designed. I have several objections to Hume's argument. Response one, Hume's first premise is the conjunction of two alternatives. Either the universe was designed or it happened by chance. The normal way to arrive at a valid conclusion when one premise involves the conjunction of two propositions is to deny one of the alternatives. But Hume denies neither. In particular, he does not offer any evidence to deny design. Instead, premise two only affirms that chance is an adequate cause of the universe. That is merely his opinion, since no evidence is supplied. 
So even if the chance option is possible, it is conceivable that design also could be possible. The assumption that chance is possible does not mean design is false. Response two. I doubt that anyone, other than someone who wants to give the appearance of being logical, would claim that chance can cause anything at all. Chance has no power to cause anything to happen, no intelligence to decide what events is needed, no will to bring results into being, no prudence to see what needs to happen, and no voice to call for assistance. If I toss three dice, three sixes can come up. But the probability for that possibility is 1 in 216. But the 216 possible outcomes are just there in my mind. Some added person has to toss the dice. None of the possibilities has the power to cause it to happen. Indeed, Sir Roger Penrose calculated the probability for chance to create the universe would be less than 1 in 10 to the 10 to the 123rd power. In practical terms, odds less than 1 over 10 to the 50th power is considered equal to zero probability. So Penrose's number tells us that chance creation of the universe is an impossibility. Thus, premise two is false. So with the chance option off the table, that leaves design as the only viable candidate in Hume's argument. The second argument against theism is John Paul Sartre's cosmological disproof of God. Premise one, God is a self-caused being. Premise two, but it is impossible to cause one's own being for causes prior to its effect. And no one can exist prior to its own existence. Three, therefore, God cannot exist. Response. I know of no theist who has ever claimed that God is self-caused. Premise one is an erroneous restatement of what theists believe. Rather, what theists claim is God is uncaused. There is a world of difference. It doesn't take much to realize that a self-caused being is a contradiction in terms. Sartre's supposed argument is a classic example of a straw man argument, which is actually a replacement of the real argument by a weaker one that is easily refuted. Chances are that Sartre knew there was an error, but did it deliberately, hoping that his readers would not catch the error. Third uh, argument against theism is Russell's moral disproof. In his book, Why I Am Not a Christian, Bertrand Russell offers an argument against theism that may be formulated into a disproof of God by way of the moral law. Russell's argument goes like 
like this. <clears throat> Premise one, if there is a moral law, then either the moral results from God's fiat or else it does not. Premise two, if the moral law results from God's fiat, then it is arbitrary, and in that case, God is not good. Good would simply be what God pronounces good, so that it could not be otherwise. Indeed, God could pronounce anything good, including hate, cruelty, rape, and inhumanity. Premise 3. If good does not result from God's fiat, then God is himself subject to some essential good which is beyond himself and to which he is subject. Premise four. If God is subject to some essential good beyond himself, then God is not himself ultimate. Premise five. Thus this eternal, unchangeable, and superior good, distinct from God, is the most ultimate value in the universe. Premise six. Therefore, either God is not essentially good because he is arbitrary, or else he is not ultimate because he is subject to an ultimate beyond himself. Premise seven. In either case, this would eliminate the theistic God of essential, eternal, and unchangeable value and worth. There could, of course, be an arbitrary atheistic God, but who would worship such a being? There seems to be no theistic God worthy of ultimate respect and worship. Eight, conclusion, therefore we are left with a finite God, like Plato's Demiurgus, who is subject to some ultimate and unchanging good beyond himself. But here again, this is not the God of traditional theism. Intrinsic moral values, such as theists themselves claim, are an argument against the existence of a theistic God. Response. Russell presents a false dichotomy for theism, requiring a choice between two equally undesirable consequences. The moral law need not be arbitrary or superior to God. In fact, rather than a choice between two alternatives, it is a choice between three alternatives. Rather than flowing from God's arbitrary will, the moral law may be seen as rooted in God's unchangeable good and loving nature, in essence. If morality is based ultimately on God's intrinsic nature and not on arbitrary will, then the apparent dichotomy is solved. In this case, there is no ultimate good beyond God to which he is subject. He is subject only to the ultimacy of his, the good within his own nature. God cannot be less than absolutely good, his nature demands that he be absolutely good and what he does to be absolutely good. And in this event, it cannot be said that God is arbitrary, for he cannot will contrary to his nature. God cannot decide to be unloving, 
nor can he decide that cruelty and injustice be divinely sanctioned. God's will must perform in accordance with his unchangeable good nature. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith, with Joe Mott.